0: better do it himself. Thomas, Shake
1: crossover, step back, and the Young, Safe and Washington wins it.
0: Nobody's home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, leans on the other wing.
1: Bang! Oh! Oh! Pass evendorf at the buzzer.
0: Oh Good!
1: Good! They will
0: check it, but if it stands, it's another Syracuse buzzer beater
1: to beat Connecticut.
0: Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win! And then there are major onions with a kiss. Oh my goodness, one of the great games. You know why we're here. Marshawn Lynch said it best. Our guy, our general, he's been let go. He's been fired. He's been terminated. Whichever terminology you want to use, this was a decision that I think a lot of people probably knew was coming. The the timing is definitely what surprises me, and I don't want to speak for you, Ben, but we're discussing a little bit before. The timing is probably something that that surprises you as well. Um, But this is this is pretty big. Anytime a job as big as lsu opens up it's going to be big news we would discuss it regardless even if we weren't lsu alum but with it being literally a week from the tournament and a one day until selection sunday we did feel that dropping an emergency podcast on this was pretty necessary so ben i'll let you kind of give your initial thoughts on it um what was your reaction to it how do you feel
1: um, at first, I thought the timing was weird, but the, the more I thought about it, I think they did not want Will Wade to make a run in the tournament and then have to do this. I really think that was the, at the core of it. Um, you know, the, the, the documents were given to them earlier this week, and they could have done it immediately if they, they read the documents. I really think I, I don't – I'm not sure why they didn't do it then. Uh, possibly the game yesterday had something to do with it. Uh, the more I think about it, um, it, it is strange timing, though. You know, usually you take care of these things after the season is over. So trying to avoid possible. Yeah, maybe you make the Final Four and then NCAA wants to strip you that banner or something like that. Maybe that's what you're trying to avoid at this point. But it, it is strange timing.
0: One, I think it's strange timing, but I also think it's it's slightly selfish timing from in by the administration and the the AD Woodward, because you know, Wade is I'll I'll do the classic say what you will about the guy, right? Uh, but say what you will about the guy, he has been very on the front of my guys have nothing to do with this, do not bring this into this locker room. We're here to focus on one game and narrowing our focus on, and the bigger the games get the more the distractions will get. And he acknowledged that. And he was, he was coaching to it. Right. You can say he was doing well about it, or he was doing mm-hmm. poor. Um, that's kind of up for opinion to me, when you do this, you're kind of creating a new distraction. And I'd argue this distraction is almost worse, right? Like it's not even a uh, us against the world approach anymore. Like you, you must feel that your own administration's against you because they took away your coach. They took away the guy who recruited you, the guy who has gotten you there. Uh, the guy in Darius Stace's coach uh, case. I'm sorry, has coached you for four years now. So I, I, I don't like the timing of it from a player standpoint. First of all, I agree with you that they probably did this to avoid any, any sort of murky waters. Right. I think, I think if you're an LSU athletic director or anyone, um on that LSU decision tree right now you have nightmares going to bed at night thinking with the Les Miles Texas a m game and no one wants that no one wants the emotion of it How, however I will say as an LSU fan at the end of the day I think that was just Joe Oliva being a excuse my language a fucking idiot and not understanding that we were just thanking Les Miles and he he took that and was like oh they they won them here no we didn't um but yeah, I, I don't like the timing of it for the players. I, I really don't.
1: Yeah, it's always gonna be hard, but um man, I think the, the game yesterday was almost up to will, the the whole change in the game. And I don't think the players um liked that they kind of threw him under the buses. Very defensive game at this at the end of the first half. And some of some of those decisions, I mean, I'm not clamoring for you know this decision to be reversed too much i mean some of the stuff this year has really made me think differently about will wade but when you think about where we started before we got will wade it's just I, absolutely a world of difference i mean he brought this program to, to new heights to legitimacy to people caring to packed crowds to all sorts of stuff and uh, hopefully we can keep that going with the next coach
0: yeah, and I mean, we might as well just get into it. Like, who Will Wade was as a coach, right? I think he's probably one of the best two or three coaches to ever coach for LSU. Like, I mean, it's it's the sad reality. Like, you're going to say, no, no, he's not. Go look up the coaches who coached for LSU. They're not. They're not that impressive. Will Wade had a sustained era of success here at LSU. He. Did things a little differently. Um, I'll say that he did things a little boisterous and loud, definitely. I don't think Will Wade's no longer the coach of LSU because he paid players. I think Will Wade's no longer the coach of LSU because he got caught paying players. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of articles written about LSU and the lack of institutional control, how LSU doesn't care about ethics, yada, yada, yada. It's it's the same as it always is. Let them write the stories. We don't care about it. It's it's all about you know what what happens in between the lines of LSU. We don't really care about what other people say about us. There's there's definitely been some alarming things with the Title Nine stuff that needs to be addressed. But I'm just going to be front and candid. I, I don't really give a crap about paying players. I, I do care how vocal he was about it and how we have HBO documentaries about us. That's not great. Although, you know, any PR is good PR, right?
1: Well, I I think uh, if you look at the way Arizona handled the situation, I think if Woodward would have been the guy to hire Will Wade and to stick by his side this whole time, it would have been handled a lot like the Arizona situation. It all the allegations would be ignored until his contract ran out. And then we're, you know, it's a ceremonious. Everyone say bye to him. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And not a firing the day before. Well, hold on, hold Sunday. on. I'm gonna, but
0: I'm gonna jump in I, there though.
1: I think Woodward likes his guys. and he wants to hire his guy.
0: Miller, Sean Miller started losing games too. That was a big part of him. Him leaving was was just he started losing games. So I'll, I
1: agree, but it wasn't. It wasn't so egregious where you would. No, 100%, 100%.
0: 100%. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I 100% agree with you on that, that Woodward wants to hire his guys. And we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But before we do that, I know I asked I asked the question on Twitter Does anyone have any questions? And th- the main questions I was getting, Ben, was mainly related to uh, bans and sanctions and, and what this, what the notice of allegations means to the LSU basketball program, but also the LSU football program. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think an important part whenever you think about, you know, possibly LSU basketball postseason ban, even as soon as this year, was none of the players on the roster are associated with any of these allegations. I think that's a big thing to consider. Um, you know, almost the entire document was just filled with Will Wade and Bill Armstrong's name. Seems really seems like Bill Armstrong was the right-hand man for a lot of this and actually – you know, took the action on a lot of this. And it was a lot of it, it was just Bill Armstrong acting with waiting, having knowledge of really. And so seems like kind of those two guys were working in conjunction. And so you get rid of those two guys. I'm just not sure that they're going to hand down a postseason band the day before selection Sunday. It doesn't feel doesn't feel right. And I I'm not I, I don't think they're gonna get any postseason bands going forward. I really don't. I think this is uh gonna be chalked up to two bad characters and that the NCAA just wanted them gone. I really think they just wanted them gone. Now, are we going to get some other types sorts of punishments for not letting them go as soon as the NCAA wanted us to, I think that could be possible maybe in terms of scholarships or something like that. But, um, I, I don't, I think you'll see LSU playing next weekend.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I've seen some people asking, like, "Are we going to self-impose a ban?" W- Number one, I don't. I, I never like to make these authoritative statements, like, "Oh, if my team does blank, I'll never be a fan of." But it would be pretty damn tone deaf to self-impose a ban one week from the tournament to your players. Like that would be that would not be a good look. That when like, none
1: of your players were associated. Not, with Not yeah, anything. exactly
0: none of your players were associated with anything Darius days has been with the program for four years, you know, sat with those allegations has dealt with it has been a leader, you know, was was a, was a spot up shooter at one point was a, was a center, then moved back now to kind of this, just do it all role. And if you do that to him and you do that to, you know, your transfers and Eason and Pinson and Brandon Murray and, and um, not not that Murray's a transfer, but he's a newcomer and Efton Reed. I would I would be pretty disappointed with that. You're you're taking away opportunities from kids that they'll never get back because of what a coach did four years ago. Like that's that's pretty egregious, to be honest with you. Like that that's more of a punishment than the NCA can give you, as far as I'm concerned. I I could it, I like you said I could see some potential scholarship restrictions maybe i i see no ban on For recruiting those time
1: recruiting yeah. um you know what i'm trying to say like uh yeah. you're only our you're only allowed a certain amount of like traveling to go see recruits and uh, phone time with recruits and recruiting visits some of the things like that
0: now i i will ask you um because i think i think you probably know a little bit more about the story than i do the oklahoma state um, the Oklahoma State sanctions. They did a self. Did they self-impose they that ban this year? But what was the allegation, and, and why, why it was
1: part know? of this whole thing too? They had an assistant coach right. who was kind of doing all the deals. Same thing with Auburn. What was that two years ago, or was it last yeah. year? They yeah. had self-imposed the thing was self-imposed postseason bans. You only do them when you know you're going to be bad. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Never, right. Never has a good team ever self-imposed <laughs> a postseason ban. Never in the history of sports. Yeah. You and, only self-imposed post. I mean, Oklahoma state. I mean, they had a great, I I thought they had a pretty good year for what they had, you know, talent wise. They were very frisky all year. They went like 14 and 14. They're not going to win the whole thing. So, and they knew that, coming, that man, they knew that coming into the season. So yeah. that's, the there's never been a good team to self-impose a postseason man. yeah
0: and and speaking of of bad teams self-imposing the ban it, it it does because football's looped in with these allegations it does help that that uh, the football team did self-impose uh a bowl ban when again like you said they were they were shit like they were five and five they, they did a self-imposed bowl ban during covid oh oh darn we have to we have to end the season early this train wreck of a season oops so I, I number one I think it helps that both the coaches you know Edo for football and and wade for basketball are no longer there that helps the self-imposed ban on the football team definitely helps so I I think at most that none
1: of the athletes name the documents are here or not yeah like
0: it's I would I, I would be pretty surprised if any of this leads into a a, a NCA ban, like the ramifications of, of this move from an NCA standpoint, I think will be very minimum. Now there's going to be some other ramifications and some other penalties. And let's get into that. And that deals with player personnel, especially in this transfer portal era, and as well as just the recruiting aspect of it. So where, where where does your mind go there how are you feeling about that because that's you know w- when they made the move i'm gonna be honest that's the first thing i thought of is like oh great we just lost five you know like four or five stars maybe three um so that's that's not fun
1: yeah um yeah that thing that has to be the first place your mind goes to you, who's gonna be on this team next year and I think 80% of it has to do with who you're going to hire and how quickly you're going to hire them. You know, as bad as the LSU women's basketball team was last year, Kayla Pointer one of the best guards in the country. And I don't think you would have retained her if you would not have hired an elite-level coach like Kim Mulkey. Um, you know, you had transfers like Autumn Newby, come at, who had committed to the last coaching staff before the before she had gotten fired, who stayed committed to the school because you got a, a. uh elite coach. And I think a lot of it has to do the same with what's going to happen here. You know, obviously a postseason band is going to make uh, players switch teams. I don't think that's going to happen. I agree with you. I, th- I think it's mostly on the coach, man. Um, if you take a chance on an up and coming coach, I think you have a lot less chance to retain players. Uh, if, if you, you know, if you hire a coach who's known as a player's coach as an elite level winner, I think you have a huge chance to keep all the guys that are coming back.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's obviously very early to tell on that aspect. I will say 10,000 feet view. I, I think the LSU team is relatively close. Um, like they, they seem like they relatively get along, which is a good sign. I am I mean, I'm, I'm worried about Julian Phillips. I'm worried about Traore. I don't. I'm honestly, the guy I'm, I'm also worried about is Adam Miller. Like, I mean, he's basically going to be a new player because I just, I don't know. It sucks. I don't want, I don't want Brandon Murray to leave. I mean, Efton Reed finally looks like a competent basketball player and now he's going to balance potentially. It's that, that's the part that I'm, I'm really upset about. And, and I, I, I think that's where, the the fallout of this move is really going to be felt is is in that player personnel aspect of it.
1: Yeah. I think as you said, I think this team is very tight, even when things have gone bad. I think they're very good friends with each other. And so I kind of think it's an all or nothing thing. I think they all decide that yeah. they're going to come back no matter what, or they all decide, hey, you know, if, if We're we don't like who they ways. hire, we'll just go our separate ways. Maybe two of us go to the same school or something. But you Know we're kind of going to be all in this together, all out of this together. Um, yeah, I think you're spot on. Adam Miller worries me a lot, especially because he's never set foot on the court. Right. You know, he's been there alongside this team the whole time, though. So, if he's got, but, but come he back, was
0: such a he was such a Wade guy, you know, I mean,
1: yeah, he's a big Wade guy. He tweeted out something today that he was he he said this is worse than tearing 10 ACLs.
0: Jesus Christ, that's so, um, I agree, you know.
1: I think regardless of, obviously, I don't think Will paid any of these players on this roster right now. I think, I, I mean. Legally,
0: I, I probably. I, I'd say, but, um, I'd venture to say, um, I, I, I'll talk about that later. I, I, I do want to mention that, though.
1: But anyway, these guys, I really think every player who plays for Coach Wade really, really likes him. They like that. He stands up for them to the refs, even though it's to their detriment sometimes. He likes that they stay, he stands up for them in press conferences. He, you know, Will always says all the time, you know, whenever guys step up and have big games like Sharif out of nowhere, Justice Williams a couple times a season, you know, they're awesome basketball players. That's why, that's why I wanted them on the basketball team. He always raves about his walk-ons in practice, you know. He never really says bad things about his players. Unless he knows it's going to motivate them, really, you know, he uh, he seems to get these guys. He seems to be in his head and seems to always support them. So I, I think it's going to be detrimental to a lot of these players. It's going to be really hurt.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Last last thing on Wade before we get into I, I think the fun part of this where we talk about all right, well, who we're going to hire now, right? High level. Sum up the last four years of Will Wade. You know, like 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 what. What did Wade, I guess, mean to the program, and and really like what's going to be your lasting impression of of Will Wade and and his LSU run?
1: He legitimized LSU basketball. I mean, I'd been going to games for a while before Will Wade. Nobody really cared. You know, nobody's talking about it on sports radio during the week. The the stadiums one eighth filled. Maybe you know we went zero eighteen SEC play a couple of years before. And that's when we were we were still getting good players on the team. It's not like we didn't have good players. We had knee and Ben Simmons and Brandon Sampson, Brandon Sampson, Martin. Martin. I mean, those are great. Yeah, those are great college basketball players. So it was never that problem. It was the cohesiveness of the unit. It was getting the university to buy in, and Will Wade did, did all of those things. You know, he brought teams together. He figured out how pieces pit uh, pieces fit. He got, especially this year, he got the community really invested in this team, really invested in the program, especially the students. Um, You know, he had a meeting before a year with all the Greek organizations, all the leaders of the student section. You can say what you want about the balcony bingles, but the effort he's taken to reach out to them and involve them in the process, uh, you know, really speaks to how he wanted this community to wrap around his team this year and to really give them a lot of support. And that's just never happened in LSU basketball since the 2000s. I mean, yeah, it just when, haven't happened when, at all.
0: When John Brady was really, you know, putting together some some stacked teams in in the mid 2000s, we, we really haven't seen anything like this. Uh, for me, last lasting legacy on on Wade and, and his time at LSU was. I, I'm going to stand by it. I, I think Will Wade's a good basketball coach, and my reasons for thinking he's a good basketball coach are as follows. When you look at every LSU team that we've had throughout the years, the team, the team's play and their identity very much goes to the players that they have on the court, and I think that entirely speaks to good coaching. Everyone wants to talk about the the defensive improvements that that we have made this year and the strides that we made defensively. Well. Wade knew that this this would have to be a defensive team. So we instilled that and and he made that a priority in practice and a priority in the offseason when we lost Adam Miller. You look at the team last year, he knew Cam Thomas was not going to play like a lick of defense. And so we had more of just a run and gun, chuck it up, get get garbage bucket offense. And you know, look at look at the Tremont teams. So I, I think he's he's great from that aspect. A lot of people have said he's not an X's and O's guy. Maybe he's not a nose guy. I, I think he's an X's guy, though. I think he's a great defensive coach. I have been very impressed with his press schemes, whether it was a, a diamond and one or when he would do the the uh one the one three one press at half court. Um rest in peace, Wade Sims. You know, Wade used to always play at the top of the key with that. So it's just he, he adapted very well to the team that he always had. He was a players' coach through and through. He got talent in the door. Maybe the part where a lot of people feel that he underachieved is the development aspect of it and maybe players and, and lack of player development, which, okay, I, I, I guess I could see that, right? Like Emmett Williams, for instance, did Emmett Williams really improve from one year to the next year? No, not really. Like he did, he did some things better, but the, the player development, I, I think, at times may may have been lacking a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't I don't know how much that can be on a college coach. I'm not really sure. So I I, I thought he was a great coach, and next stops for him,
1: I'd it depends be depends how radioactive he becomes. I'd I mean, be surprised.
0: So I I'd be surprised about this. I'd be surprised if he takes a small a small college job. If he takes anything below a power five, right off the bat, I'd be very surprised about that. The job that got floated around on Twitter when I was just scrolling through was Clemson. Will Wade would be perfect for Clemson basketball. I think Will Wade would hit it out of the park with Clemson basketball. He'd energize that program, and, and they'd really be on the up and up. But... Last thing on him I, I did want to mention, you had kind of said he, he, legitimized, he legitimized LSU basketball, and I 100% agree with that because that's the next step that LSU has to take if they want to make the leap to a, a, a great program because LSU right now is a good basketball program. They're not a great basketball player, program, and they're sure as hell not an elite basketball program, but they're a good basketball program. And if they want to make that leap to being a great basketball program, that starts with the overall emotion towards college basketball at your school. Whether that's you know a, the arena, the preseason hype, um, the the travel to these these off to these offsite games, right, or the travel to these offsite tournaments before before the season starts. You look at Kentucky last night when they're playing against. Um, Vanderbilt, the, the whole the whole arena is Kentucky, and I'm not saying we need to be Kentucky, but when you look at how well LSU travels for football and for baseball, it's it's got to be there for basketball if we want to take that next leap. So that's that's one thing. The next thing is the facilities. We need a better buy-in on the facilities. It's it's pretty laughable when you, and again, yes, LSU LSU academics have some horrible facilities too, and they deserve to be renovated as well. I'm not saying otherwise. This is a basketball podcast, so please don't attack me. Um, but the facilities need to be updated. Like, we have pretty shitty basketball facilities for a school as, you know, big as us and as in a league at the SEC. Factoring in just the overall, I'd say, organization of LSU basketball, it's greatly improved under Wade. Um, and, and I just, I, I need to see... Whoever's the next coach, I need to see them take what Wade has built and just take it to the stratosphere. And I, that is why I 100% do not want a lead assistant or assistant on another team or a Wes Miller. I, I don't want any of those coaches. I need someone who has been doing this for many years as, at a sustained level and a sustained level of excellence. With that being said, let's let's get right into it. Let's well, let's talk some. I
1: think I, I just don't know if all those things you just said are actually gonna be attainable. I, I think we have to wait a couple weeks or a couple months just to see how radioactive this becomes. You know, this can become something that really pushes a lot of people away. You kind of have to wait and see if there's any punishments handed down. I mean, I I just it's easy to say that. I think that is true. If you want to take the next step, you have to hire a proven winner. But I don't know. And again, with Will, too, I don't know how radioactive he or this job becomes because. Maybe the NCAA wants to make an example, you know, just a lot of bad
0: example of us.
1: Just a lot of bad things can happen, I think, before we stretch the step of if we don't hire a proven winner, you know, this isn't a loss at the job. I just don't know how much interest they're going to be. I think we just have to wait a couple weeks or a couple months to see what the fallout is going to be. And I honestly don't agree. I don't know if Will is going to get a Power 5 head coaching job, you know, next season. I just just don't know if that's going to happen. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of backlash around him. There's not really many people like him. It seems like, and this is going to make him pretty radioactive. And uh, I, I think the university and the LSU job has a better chance of bouncing back than Will well, Wade.
0: all right, be- be- before we before we get into Canada, so I, I do want to I do want to just discuss this really quick. Now in the in the NIL era, are people going to feel the same way? Because I, I think that's a lot of. Of what this move was for LSU, it was them saying Will Wade is almost a black eye of us openly doing things wrong and shady. And if we can remove him, we essentially can start to remove that stigma and that and the you know that reputation that we have and move into this NIL NIL era where we can pay players above board and and we can still drop bags but it'll just be a little bit of more buff board and if we get maybe a uh better coach and a better light coach in here we can still do the same things that we've been doing it's just not gonna look as uh scandalous if you would you know um so i i think i think there might be something to to that regard but let's I mean, let's get into it. Who are some who are some candidates that you're thinking? I, I do think it would be pretty cool or fun if we did a tier almost where we have – tier one could be just complete home run hires. We probably – small chance of us getting them, but we might as well swing for the fence. And then tier two could be – this would be a solid hire. This is probably the ballpark where LSU is going to – you know, strive for I'd be content with this hire. It'd be a, it'd be a good hire. Definitely two thumbs up. And then the last tier would be maybe unproven coaches who, if we're hiring this, that means there might be some sanctions coming down to us. So does that sound good? Um, you any opposition to that?
1: No, I don't. Uh, if we're going to start with the home run hires, the kind of hire that Scott has made with the women's basketball program and with the men's football program and baseball program, too. The men's baseball program. I think it's Scott Drew. I, I think this is the same kind of line you, you went with Brian Kelly a uh, proven winner, shown he can do it, shown he can recruit, shown he can take, uh, he can build programs. And uh, I mean, was I a like school it's...
0: with academic restrictions? Yeah,
1: Scott Drew started off his career at Baylor, losing almost every single player he had on scholarship because of the previous coaches' um, the previous coaches' allegations. Lost almost every single guy he had on scholarship on the team. Had to compile a team out of nothing. This was in 2003. You know, I had to build a brand new team. Had to build a program that had no reputation at all. By 2006, he built a 20-win program from absolutely nothing. By 2010, he had him regularly contending. I mean, the guy can just coach basketball. Not to mention, he's he's delved into Louisiana a lot. He's got a lot of Louisiana players uh, under his wing at Baylor. I just think if you think home run hire, Brian Kelly type, Kim Mulkey type, it's Scott Drew. Not yeah. too old, you know. He's not. He's not aging that bad, you know. He he's still pretty young.
0: Yeah, I would. I I would agree with that. I, I think that would be a really good good hire if we pride Scott away. My, it's not even pushback. It's just kind of like a question I have. When when LSU was going after allegedly, right? We don't know how true this is, but when LSU was going after Randa, a lot of the things I heard was that Baylor under no circumstances was, was going to allow that. And like Baylor has deep pocketbooks, They're not going to let that happen. I'm just kind of curious. Like, is that, is that just wise tale? Like, like is Baylor really willing to, to chalk up the money? Um, Cause they really didn't do it with Kim Mulkey, which I think is kind of weird, but would they do it for Scott drew? I don't know. I Kim,
1: so- was, Kim was a lot of, she just wanted to do it. You know, she had achieved everything you can't achieve in coaching. And she, she she wanted a new challenge in her home state. I, I think it was more of that. You're right, though. They did not throw her a huge contract to convince her otherwise. But I, I think she was headed this way regardless. But, uh, you know, the other thing when I look at it, Scott Drew, in my eyes, is one of the best five coaches in America. He's not paid like that. He's paid $2.7 million, which I don't know where it ranks, but nowhere near the... Top 10, you know, all the top 10 guys are getting five mil plus. Um I, they just don't compensate him for you know the level of coaching I think he continually puts up.
0: Yeah, so and, and Scott Drew's been there since 0304 just just so people can kind of have some uh context there. Another- and maybe
1: and maybe like Kim, he feels like he's accomplished everything he can, just won a national championship, built the program up from nothing. Maybe yeah, along the same did, lines, he's looking for a new challenge. Who knows?
0: You can one hundred percent be feeling that way. Another name that uh, two names that I saw floated out there, and I, I really want to address them because I, I kind of have my own opinions on it. Bill Self and Eric Musselman, and I, I think this is a uh, this is a Scott Woodward propaganda <laughs> candidate. Like these are two Scott Woodward propaganda candidates where it's just like, oh, well, we're LSU and we'll just barge in and and drop whatever back. I I don't really know why Bill Self would leave Kansas like you're Kansas. You you won the game. There's no reason Bill Self would leave to come here. Like that's that's not happening. He gets
1: paid very well.
0: And it's Kansas. And to be honest with you, I kind of feel the same way about Eric Musselman. I'm an LSU fan. I'm an LSU grad. LSU is not a better basketball program than than Arkansas. Never and, has and,
1: been, probably never will be.
0: And another thing, LSU does not have the the, the pockets that, that Wally World money has. The Wally World money runs deep, guys. It's, yeah, he gets we're paid, not
1: he gets paid four million dollars, which is not, you know, like one of the best coaches in America, but it's plenty of money. Yeah, and I'd be and, very surprised if LSU hired a coach that paid more than four million dollars.
0: Yeah, and, and also that, that Walmart money can get you uh, some elite transfers and, and prospects as well. So uh, to me, there's no program out there that is obviously better than us that we might be able to pry their coach away. However, there are a couple where I wonder, and one of those programs that I wonder about is Florida State with Leonard Hamilton. I would love if LSU got Leonard Hamilton. To me, he'd be a great culture fit down here. He's a great players coach. He already kind of coaches a very similar style of, of what we had. He would be someone where if we got him in, I'd be very surprised if, if we started losing uh, recruits and, and really losing players that are currently on the team. So I'd I, I'd say Leonard Hamilton would be as much of a home run hire as you can possibly get.
1: The only thing that concerns me with Leonard Hamilton – you know, much like Scott Drew, he kind of did the same thing with Florida State. He's been there since 2002. But conversely, he's 73 years old. Yeah, Leonard um, Hamilton
0: being a sneaky 73, despite looking like he's like looks, 55. Oh, he looks great. He looks, looks great. phenomenal. You would never
1: know he's 73 years old. But how many years of coaching does he have left? Dude, he's gonna. Does die he, he want to start? Die on the sidelines, Ben? Does he want to start something anew at his age? That's I'm true. sure he's That's very fair. comfortable in the spot he's in you know he's never going to lose the job there as if he's going to lose he's not going to lose right you no know, this is probably his worst year in a ton of years and still they, they were a very competitive basketball team this season they dealt with the injuries it a really really tough year but um they will never fire him at florida state in my opinion i, I just yeah. think he's too old to really make a location change um
0: i got a sneaky i got a sneaky home run hire who's not even on our sheet right now what about huggy bear
1: yeah that's not a bad idea at all very proven winner um i'm looking up what his salary is right now i can't imagine it's that it's it's four million dollars so not low but
0: the only thing i would say about him is is he is coaching west virginia which is like his home his hometown his, yeah. his alma mater so that he's definitely got a plays. bunch of
1: like charitable organizations set up there right. like It's kind of like his town at this point, especially with the football program not near where it should be. It's kind of all about Huggy there. So, again, I think he's very comfortable where he's at.
0: Yeah, probably so. Uh, I thought
1: whenever you brought up Scott Woodward and his agenda, I thought you were immediately going to say Buzz Williams.
0: uh, Dude, I I love Buzz Williams. I think Buzz Williams is a great coach, but I I don't – I don't know. I don't know if he would leave. Like Buzz Williams is it's funny because he's such a uh he's such an elite coach and he gets a lot of elite talent, but he's also one of those coaches who also has a uh let's get our kind of guys philosophy. And he's definitely a program builder. Like he's someone I could I could see Buzz Williams coming to LSU and the first year he goes sixteen and sixteen and LSU fans just want, want to run him out of town because it, like everywhere he's gone whether it was U and O because he didn't even get the chance or A and M or Marquette he's been someone where it's gonna take a little time for him to to get established before you know taking. Taking that that next leap so yeah, I would
1: but I think the situation he walked in the Am isn't near as good as the situation he would walk into into LSU and I think it's big of enough name that all these players know who he is that they would buy in for him. I mean, I mean you think about the recruits we come having in and the the guys we still have coming back next year I think and I don't think his philosophy of culture and how to play basketball is that much different from will Wade's you know it's play hard it's be tough, it's play together, you know, it's, it's the, those sort of things, be aggressive, you know, so I, I, I think it would be a natural culture fit. Honestly, I think it would be a nice transition into someone who is more organized, who is, you know, has his head on more, who does seem to draw up better X and O's, but has some of the same characteristics about him as a coach and how he wants to, his players to play basketball. But I, I mean, I thought that's who you're going to mention when you said Woodward. That's that's Woodward's guy.
0: Yeah, that that, that that's definitely, and he's definitely someone I could. Uh, the the articles are going to be written very shortly about him, uh, so I, I could I could easily see see him as a potential hire. Someone, someone else that I would love, but one he's he is getting up there in age and. The conference realignment really going to jeopardize this. Is is Houston's coach Kelvin Sampson, because he what he coaches to and his philosophy on basketball and just the defensive intensity. Number one, it would fit right in if he is, if he came here with with the players we currently have. Number two, he already can recruit the the Houston area, which is right there in our backyard. He's gonna be able to go into Louisiana as well. So he's a phenomenal recruiter and he's going to have a big conference backing the part where I would probably say he's not going to do it is that Houston is moving into the big 12, which would, you know, really help him and really help us program because they'll, they're really going to be the flagship program in the big 12 alongside Kansas and alongside Baylor, which is it's going to be a very fun basketball conference when they join.
1: Yeah. Um, if we're kind of rounding out the home run hires, I, I don't know if you like him as much as I do, just because I love the program that he's running at UConn, and that's Dan Hurley. I think I'm not a fan. Dan Hurley would be, you know, a step below Scott Drew, but an absolute home run hire. He has shown that no matter where he goes, he can win. He took, you know, a, a lowly Wagner team, took them a 26 and six in his last season took a less than eight win Rhode Island team, took them to -to back-to-back second rounds before he got hired at UConn with 25 and 26 wins, you know, took a UConn team that was still, you know, kind of off the kind of still just a sleeping giant off all of the Kevin Ollie stuff that ended so strangely and, uh, you know, left a bad taste probably in a lot of UConn fans mouth. The team he's put together this year, I mean, 2019, 2020 was a good year for him. Uh, 19 and 12 did well in the conference. The, the team this year he's put together is, is really remarkable. I think I, I love the way that he coaches basketball. I love the players that he's recruited the the brand of basketball. He plays, he's all about athletic, long guys, guys that buy in on defense guys that are physical to take it to the rim. He capitalized, especially on this year on what guys are good at on offense and uh, you know, getting that into the, Getting that into the flow of the offense. He has a lot of guys that are good at different things. You know, RJ Cole is more good at sped up. So if he gets RJ Cole on the break, you know, he gives him the freedom to do his thing. But you know, if they have matchup problems with Sonogo, they really slow it down. They get it to him. They know they have good shooters and Tyler Polly, they'll run screens around for him. I just really, I really think he's one of the best coaches in America. And I think if he's if he's not pulled away from UConn, they will be a national contender again, like they used to be very, very soon. I think he's a great coach. I think that would be a home run hire. He's a perfect age. He's 49 years old, I believe. Yeah, he's 49 years old. Hasn't been at UConn long you know, long enough to really, as we talked about Hamilton and Drew, to get comfortable there in Huggins, like where he feels like it's his home quite yet, I don't think, but has shown that he can win. At anywhere he's been, uh, I think Dan Hurley would be home run higher. He doesn't get paid elite-level pay. I think you could really increase the pay and really draw him. I think that's my guy. I think that's way more reasonable of a dream than Scott Drew. I think that's my guy.
0: That's And, and that's that's a fair one. A, a couple other ones that are out there maybe as, as a long shot would be a, a Dana Altman. I could I could see him potentially being interested in in the job. Also, you know, with the news that Tommy Amaker was interested in the Duke job, and he's been he's been there at Harvard since oh seven oh eight. You almost wonder is, is he looking? Was he looking specifically at Duke, or was he looking to make the next jump and and to to really you know kind of take the gloves off of of college basketball because academic restrictions that you're working with at harvard or next level um but l- let's jump into the next tier uh kind of kind of the sweet spot for lsu uh, who are some before we are, leave
1: that casey i think a lot of people are saying uh rick patino and as much as i think he's an incredible coach
0: i mean he's rick my Pitino, guy I, I want that on record i
1: rick i Pitino, would is not the guy you're going to hire after this. He's just not. <laughs> yeah. It's just not going to happen. You yeah. can want it as much as you can. I agree. He's an incredible basketball coach. One of this the best basketball coaches. This is ever. not the hire they're going to make. You can throw that out the window. They're they're not going to make that hire. And I'd be surprised if any Power 5 huge program like LSU makes that hire this year or next year. I think it's going to take a little bit longer to get their radioactiveness off of them.
0: Well, I <laughs> On that note, I do want to ask you a quick question. Do you think Rick Pitino, uh makes these comments like "I'm not considering myself for the Maryland job" because he knows they're not actually going to consider him? Or, yes, or, absolutely. Okay. He's trying to
1: put his name in the news.
0: All right. I, 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 part of me thinks so too. Uh, so let's go. Let's go into the the guys that maybe are going to be a little bit more
1: attainable. Yeah, I say I like, okay. say
0: attainable attainable hires.
1: Who do you have? I had written down here Mark Pope. Uh I think he's just he does a really solid job every year. I I don't love him. I think he would win. He he recruit you know similar to Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Something that BYU doesn't let you recruit all the talent in the world. Um, I, I think he does a pretty good job. I I think uh. I wrote down Thad Mata, Casey. Oh, stop
0: he, it! Stop he's it! He's been
1: out of coaching for a while, for a but, couple but years. But why now. would you go?
0: Why would you go Mata over Beeline?
1: That's a good question. I didn't even think of Beeline. Yeah. Both of them, I would group together. All right. Shit yeah. No. I older, I, but out of out of college coaching for a little bit. But and they're
0: pissed. They're pissed. You want to throw Larry Brown in there too? While, Garrett, while we're at
1: it guaranteed winners i mean they they won the whole time they were coaching they won
0: no i I, yeah i i definitely agree i think they'd be they'd they'd be really good hires as well um uh, someone uh, so i'm gonna throw out one name because it would be hilarious and it, it does kind of fit the bill of you know proven winner elite conference Maybe maybe we can we can match our weaknesses to his strengths and and match our strengths to his weaknesses and that's Mike Bray. I wouldn't I wouldn't be that surprised if Mike Bray decides to leave Notre Dame and and heads to the SEC. I don't think that that's really out of the realm of possibility for the same reasons Brian Kelly left. But for me, it's it's more of Notre Dame basketball's not. It's big, but it's not as big as you would think it is, especially because they had a pretty solid year this year and you didn't really hear about him at all. Uh, it's He's been there for a little over 10 years now. I, I, could, I could easily see him potentially trying out something new and and wanting to test his waters elsewhere and really test his skill gap. Someone that I'd kind of be happy with, honestly, and he's more on the home run side of things, would be, Jamie Dixon at TCU.
1: I was just looking at Jamie Dixon.
0: I, I would love if they hired Jamie Dixon then I think Jamie Dixon would be a great hire for them. He's got the, the Texas Titans connection already down in Dallas, with the AAU team. He, so we can, we know he can recruit the Dallas Metro area. He can probably recruit the rest of Texas and he's going to get in and, and get access to Louisiana and, um, you know, I think that would kind of be a great transition to go from the DMV area that that Wade was dominating with his connections to maybe transitioning into Texas, where we have been a little bit weaker in basketball recruiting.
1: Well, wow. Jamie Dixon gets paid a lot more than I thought he did.
0: Yeah, t- and and TCU's got some. Uh, th- th- he gets
1: paid four point three million dollars. Sheesh! Yeah, I didn't. I did not expect to see that. Uh, was, a couple you know. other guys. I, I wouldn't be ecstatic with these, but I would think they would do okay. What about Shaka Smart bouncing back on oh, their big God. job? Oh, brother. he's done a great job at Marquette this year that, that would also be... he he got his hair back somehow.
0: It would be very funny if we went from like getting one of Shaka's assistants in Wade to getting shaka himself and and you know it's like if you told that would definitely be one of those if you told me you know, five years ago, we'd, we'd walk out of this with Shaka Smart. And I'd be like, Oh my God, this is the greatest hire ever. Uh, so I, I think that would be pretty funny if it, if it did go full circle there. Also, I Mike Braze, Mike bray has been there since 2000. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought he was there a little bit less than that, but yeah, he's only 62. I, I could, I could potentially see him making a run at a big time conference.
1: I think uh, Shaka Smart is a big players coach. Even the, when they were losing at Texas, they weren't even losing. They just weren't winning at the level they wanted to win at. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they, they let him go. I think all the players love him wherever he plays. It's a mm-hmm. similar culture style, obviously, to what Will coaches. It'd be an easy transition, I think. Notable name. I think it, he would draw players. He's done an incredible job at Marquette this year with a, you know, not as talented roster as some of the other rosters in the Big East. He's won a lot of big games. I think he can really, really coach basketball.
0: Do you have anyone else kind of in this category? I, I see. I see. You have Ed Cooley and and Becky Hammond on the yeah. list. Ed Cooley, I, interesting I did, names. I I would be happy with both of them. Uh, my only remark on Ed Cooley is that I, I think the Providence ties might be a little bit too strong at this point.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I wrote down Becky Hammond. I just think I just I see get a chance. Fan. I just think she always gets a chance. But we're talking about comfortableness. She has to be comfortable with this new WNBA job she got. She's getting paid a lot of money. She's never going to be thought of as, you know, unfortunately some people think about women coaching men as that doesn't work. You know, why would they listen to She's never going to get those questions in WNBA. I think she's going to be comfy. I think she's going to dominate, honestly. She already has a good roster with the Aces. And uh, it just seems very comfortable for her. And something where I actually think that it could lead to her getting an NBA job one day. You know, maybe she's there for five years, absolutely dominates, wins three or four titles. You know, right. and then someone's like, "Oh, she can coach basketball." Which, <laughs>
0: we we which, know she can.
1: Which you should have thought about beforehand. But yeah. uh, let's—I don't know. I, I think another guy, Casey. We, you know, we're talking about all these guys have been at places for a long time. They've won. Are they looking for new challenges? Somebody who gotten had not gotten over the hump though. What about Matt Painter?
0: I was I was looking at Matt Painter. Um my my pushback to Painter would be it, it does seem like Purdue's starting to really hit their stride. And he is from Indiana. It just it feels like college basketball more so than, than the other college sports is very um it, contingent on where you're from it does I agree. it does feel that people are more prone to coach where they're familiar with so i would kind of be surprised if, if he left indiana one guy i do want to mention that is in the almost in the smaller realm of things the the saint the saint gales coach um randy bennett i, I think that would be interesting someone like a randy bennett if we're going to kind of transition into the next tier which to me the next tier would be guys who they've been they've been at a small school for a while but it's, it's a it's an elite program and Randy Bennett definitely fits that bill he's been at St. Mary's since 0102 he's only 59 years old which in the coaching world is is pretty young he's had a sustained period of success with with St. Mary's but I would I'd venture to say that he probably wants to see what it's like coaching big time college basketball. And I don't I I think this is kind of a good cycle of jobs for you if if you want to potentially dip your toes in. He's from the Arizona area. So, you know, the, the St. Mary's tie, like, yeah, St. Mary's is in California, which I mean, I guess he's a West Coast guy, but it's not like he's from California. That I don't know how entrenched he is to St. Mary's.
1: Yeah, I think with that, we should probably move into, you know, smaller coaches that, you know, you're probably, these are the guys. Yeah. These are the guys where
0: where we're going to take the shots on. I'll I'll put it like this. These are the coaches that will say yes to you before you say yes to them.
1: Yeah. I liked how you mentioned Tommy Amaker at Harvard. I, I think he's a very good coach. I'm not sure how open he is to really moving to big-time college basketball. Um, Wes Miller has been a guy I talked about a lot. Well, he's at Cincinnati now, isn't he? Uh, he moved this last year? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. at Cincinnati still, now. Still, but still I, Wes Miller. I, 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 yeah, he's always someone. Cincinnati's not the someone, best program in the world. He's, he's always talked about. Uh, two guys that I really like, the job they've done this year, but also the last couple, you know, the last decade. Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa and John Becker at Vermont, especially I knew, I knew this year, the job both of those guys have done has been incredible. They've showed that they're committed to their schools. They've showed that they've built their programs up. You know, they can do a lot with less talent, especially Ben Jacobson. We've seen his teams perform well in the tourney. I really think this Vermont team is going to at least scare a five or six seed or whatever, a four seed i think they're an extremely good basketball team he coaches them so well they have if you wanted to go to offensive guy this is an offensive guy this (laughs) guy is gonna this guy is gonna design you some great offense um you know he's been at vermont for for a while it's just one of those things i you know, I think a lot of these, co- you just got to see how comfortable they are at these places. Yeah. Do they, they want to just dominate the American East for the next 10 years, 15 years and then retire or Ben Jacobson, you know, he's in a competitive conference. He's had a lot of success. He He's a Northern Iowa guy, but uh, I think both of those guys are guys you could take shots on. You could throw enough money where they would have to say yes. And I think they would both be successful.
0: All right. Last name, last name for me. What about Matt McCann at, at Murray State? He's he's really built a sustained winner for Murray. They kind of run the OVC. It seems pretty evident that he's got a good identification of a guard talent uh, just with Tevin Brown and, and Justice Hill. Big man Hill. talent as well. Yeah, and just Justice Hill in the scene this year. And then obviously everyone knows John Morant. So would he be someone – that That you think would be one willing to make that next jump and that that leap into big time college basketball, but also would would lSU be interested in someone like him or even Belmont's Casey Alexander?
1: I think that Mac mcMahon McMahon, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's McMahon. I think Mac McMahon would be a guy that would say yes almost immediately. Uh, I'm not sure how much success he was. He's he's only been at Murray State for three seasons.
0: No, he's been there for a little bit longer. He's been there oh. since like 15, 16.
1: Okay, I'm looking at. Oh yeah, he's been there for six seasons, so but still not long enough to where I feel like he, this is his identity. Yeah, like maybe Ben Jacobson feel like he's very young. He's still forty six. He can move up. He can make a lot more money. Obviously. So I I like that. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be ecstatic with it, but again, I I just don't know how radioactive this is going to get. And if it does get really bad, I could see him as a good option.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's really and that's that's the key point. And that's I think the best place to leave, leave this off at. Right, this situation it 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 could actually go pretty well. We could get a sustained winner. We could. I mean if Baller Woodwards players. Yeah, if Woodward's last hires are any indication, I mean yeah, the thought it, of us getting a John B line or a or Dan Hurley or you know some of these other coaches, maybe even a Scott Drew, I don't know if it's really out of the possibility. I would say that this situation as as Ben's, you know, the radioactive terms, I think perfect for it, right? As this situ- situation is viewed from from external people, we're going to really learn what is thought of, of LSU basketball.
1: Because if you leave it up to the media, uh, it's not going to be a pretty picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you leave it up to the media, we need to promote within. Um, I'll take the job the way the media is talking, talking about it. I want that on record right now. I'll take the job. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, as you said, if we look at Woolworth's hires, it's hard to think he goes small. It's, it's really – it's gonna to have to get really bad i think for him to settle for a small guy i yeah. just it, it i find it really hard to believe all three hires he made have been absolute blockbusters so it's just it's really hard to think that he goes small
0: last thing before we get out of here ben i want to ask you you know it's it's currently 4 11 central time march 12th 2022 the year of our lord would you if you were a betting man what you are would you bet on any of the coaches that we just listed? We just listed so many coaches. Or would you would you bet basically on the field?
1: We listed so many. I have to bet. Again, I think it's going to be a blockbuster. I don't think yeah. it's going to get postseason bad. I think there might be slight punishments in recruiting. I don't think they'll be that bad. And I, th- most likely, I think that's going to happen. And I think that Scott Wilbert is not going to settle for it nothing but a big coach.
0: Completely agree. Who, if
1: you had to Casey, if you had to put money on a future right now, who is going to be the next head coach? The issue. My my
0: heart wants to say Scott Drew. I would take Jamie Dixon for the value. I think Jamie Dixon's going to be the next head coach.
1: I still am stuck on the Buzz Williams thing. I just think that Scott Woodward, that's just – Oh, wait, I'm going to be honest with you.
0: I <laughs> would not like Buzz Williams as a coach. I, I think he's a good coach. I
1: think he's a good coach. I just don't I don't think, think he's one of the best coaches in America. I think he's a better coach than Will Wade in terms of – Some things, some things. Yeah, I'd be worried about the recruiting a little bit with Buzz Williams. but Also,
0: he's a coach – I would be petrified of the, the turnover – in the roster attrition that we're I,
1: I, w- I would be kind of scared but he has shown he can develop players he has shown this year that he can work the transfer portal he's gotten a lot of good talent in and he's melded them really well together this year you know they've had ups and downs this year but they're really putting it together right now you know he got a former duke player he went to mid-majors got the point guard from wyoming and he's really melded them all together they play really hard i it would not be the worst hire in the world at all for me. I think he would, as long as he could recruit, I think he would be very successful. And that just it's just sticking in my mind. The whole because Woodward really wanted to hire Jimbo, didn't you feel like he really wanted to yeah, hire he did. Jimbo? He, definitely LSU. Did. he really, and if it was all up to him, he would have hired Jimbo,
0: which would have been just no, no, yeah, but
1: this isn't about football. But I think if it was all up to him, he would have hired Jimbo. Yeah. And I think if this was all up to him, he would hire Buzz because he felt at the, at the time at Texas A&M, when he, he made both of those hires, those were the best coaches that he could hire there. And I, I don't see any reason why he would think differently now.
0: Yeah. And especially with what Texas A&M is doing right now and really peaking at the right time. So I, I think that'd be a really good future bet as well. Well, we really appreciate everyone tuning in for the emergency podcast. We will definitely be back on tomorrow for an instant reaction of Selection Sunday. You know, getting just getting really ready for the tournament. I can't believe it's here. It it feels like Christmas is tomorrow. So we're gonna be breaking it all down. You know, who who got the tough draw? You know, who got left out? Um, I, I'm actually gonna do a Dicky V impression where I tell you all 50 teams that really should have made the tournament um, and why the tournament needs to expand to 170 teams. Um, now that Dickie V is healthy, I can make those kind of jokes, which is very exciting for me. So please tune in tomorrow. We're going to keep turning out the content. It's definitely a big week. It's it's March. So we're excited and, and we're really glad and, and appreciative for everyone offering any support. So
1: there will be a bracketology up in the morning before the games kick off. There will be contingencies on that bracket. I will probably list some contingencies on. You know, if this team wins season. this game, they'll move up to here. If they lose this game, they'll lose down to here. I think Texas A&M has made the tournament with their win today. I yeah, think Indiana did. did enough to make the tournament. I think Virginia Tech has done enough to make the tournament. And I think all three of them will end up being in. And some of these teams that didn't perform well this week are in big trouble.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Well, as always, appreciate it. Follow us at online NCEA, like and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, and visit the site at otlsports.net. A lot of exciting bracketology and mid major picks coming up and March Madness as a whole. See you.